Good morning. morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our morning half of our worship service. This morning, I want to let our minds go back to Saul. Let our minds go back to Saul and the encounters that he had on his on his on the road to Damascus and Christ coming to him and shining that light, speaking to him. I want our minds to go back to that specific time. But not necessarily Saul, of course, Paul later, but at this time it's Saul. We're going to look at Ananias as well. Because whenever Jesus comes to Ananias in this vision that we're going to look at this morning, Ananias doesn't immediately go after, which is kind of kind of weird. Not necessarily. Ananias is going to say, but, but this happens and this happens, so I'm, I'm a little afraid. This morning we close in Bible class, Philippians 4.13. What a beautiful verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to take that verse into our hearts and into our minds and use that verse in our everyday walk of life. Ananias is going to look at this and say, yeah, I don't know about that. So if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. We might as well start in the the first verse of chapter 9. This, of course, Paul is, is still Saul, and he's fixing to be on his way to Damascus. And this wonderful encounter that, on a side note, I wish could happen to everybody. Don't you think that if everybody was encountered with the Lord, in this case, all would believe? Think about that. This is a dramatic instance of the Lord changing the course of someone's life. We're going to see the reason why he does this. So Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Well, let's stop right there in verse 3. You notice the type of person Saul is. He has dedicated his life to God. He is a Pharisee. And he's putting his best foot forward to the best of his knowledge in the service of God. So this way is mentioned in Acts chapter 9. That's what the church called themselves in the early early days. They called themselves the way. It wasn't church of Christ until later. Now here it's called the way. The way to God, the way to salvation, the way that you should live. The what? So when Saul asked for the Pharisees, chief priests, elders, all those folks for letters or permission to go out and take these folks who are of the way, this New Testament thing that's contrary to the old law, and bring them bound or put them into prison. Some were beaten, some were even killed. This is the same Saul, who later is to be Paul, who we learn from even to this day. You might stop there and go, what? What could you learn from this person? What could you learn from this person who was persecuting? I gave a little bit of a heads up there. Persecuting the church. Why 
would you learn something from that person is it's not beneficial to the church because <laughs> he didn't stay salt. He didn't stay this same motivation. So here, as we stopped in our reading, a light shone around him from heaven. The, those who were journeying with Saul didn't see the light. They heard the voice, but they didn't see the light. So we see Saul in verse 4. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Think about those words that Jesus just spoke. We don't know it's Jesus right now until you read a little further, but notice what he says. Why are you persecuting me? Well, Saul's not really persecuting Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has already ascended into heaven. So wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. How is he persecuting Jesus? <laughs> because he's persecuting his disciples. If you're persecuting his disciples, you're persecuting Jesus himself. And in verse 5, then he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Whenever Jesus comes to Saul in this dramatic scenario, because he knows the dedication of Saul. He can see the dedication to God in Saul. He was wrong. But he's seen his dedication. I'm going to stop right here and ask everyone that's listening to my voice. How dedicated are you to God? Are you as dedicated as Saul was at this time? He's seen those in the wrong. He wanted to get them right. Not necessarily to the point of hauling them off to prison or, or killing them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to correct them. To get them on the, to correct, on the correct path for as becoming a child of God to this day. What type of person are we? Are we dedicated? That type of dedication. There's a lot of folks who frowned upon Saul's attendance. Especially disciples. We're going to see that in the next few readings here in a little bit. Verse 6. So he, being Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but not seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So we see Saul being blinded by the Lord. A wonderful representation to those previous to immersion and after immersion. Previous to understanding what God would have you to do and after understanding what God would have you to do. Being blind and then receiving sight is a lesson in and of itself. Because without the knowledge of God into your hearts, into your minds, into your very being, you are blind. You ever heard that term, the blind leading the blind? You ever heard that term before? Very much so in the spiritual realm. So we see Saul actually physically being blind. Our representation to that 
If you're not in Christ, you're blind. You have no direction. You have no which way to go. No instructions. You can receive your own, you can try to receive your own righteousness, but that's not that's vain. It's worthless. We're going to see Paul use that very term previous to his contact with Christ, previous to his immersion, previous to him becoming a disciple, all those wonderful things that he was doing in the eyes of God, he counted them worthless. He, he considers them dumb. That's the way he considered them. But now, here in Acts chapter 9, we see him fasting because it was three days that he was blind. What do you think is going through Saul's mind at this time? This light, great light shone around him. Con conversing with Jesus from heaven. Now he's blind. Don't you think he's asking myself, <laughs> am I ever going to receive my sight? Is it gone forever? What was I doing? Do you think these questions ever arose in Paul at this time he was still Saul now we're at Ananias in verse 10 now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and to him the Lord said in a vision Ananias and he said here I am Lord so the Lord said to him arise and go to the street called straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so they might receive his sight. So we see Ananias in Damascus. And the Lord coming to him in a vision saying, This Ananias, I want you to go to him. Lay your hands on him so they may receive his sight. Before he has, he has seen this in a vision, therefore he is praying at this instant. So we see instructions from God to Ananias, who is a disciple, by the way. Instructions from the Lord to, so, to what he must go do. Now we see an example of this of Jonah in the Old Testament. Y'all know what Jonah did? What did Jonah do in the first instance? Whenever God told him to go, what did, 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 Jonah, did Jonah just instantly cut out a dust trail and go straight there and do what God told him to do? No, he said, I won't do that. He fled from God. He tried to get away from it, right? The whole instance of trying to get away from God was not beneficial much, was it? No, it wasn't. Until he was working with God. God's plan was put into motion. And the entire city of Nineveh's outcome was overturned. The entire city. He only spoke eight words. Eight words is all he spoke. <coughs> so we see Paul, excuse me at this time, Saul. Saul, being blind, praying to the Lord for what he has done, praying that his sight will be revealed or, or restored, excuse me, so his sight can be restored. So we see instructions from Ananias to go do these things. And here he says in verse 13, 
Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So we see Ananias and what? I don't know, Lord. This is a thoroughly dangerous man. You've heard that term before? He's fairly dangerous. I've heard what he's done to your saints. Those who call on your son's name. I don't know about those. I don't know about coming into contact with this person. I don't, I don't know much about that. So we see a, a representation of Jonah saying, well, I won't do that. So here we see Ananias, I don't want to do that. And then here comes the Lord to tell him this in verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he has a chosen, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Then Ananias in the back of his mind says, Okay. That's what you want me to do. I'm going to go do it. In verse 17, he does it. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has come, uh, as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and Saul spent some days with the disciples at the Damascus. All right, stop there in verse 19. Something wonderful happens right here. Going from blind to receiving sight. Previous to understanding what God have you to do and not doing those things, blind. Understanding what God would have you to do and doing those things, sight. Paul did that very thing when Ananias came to him. We see the effective workings of God when we work with God. We see it in Ananias. Well, Paul's blindness was not going to be restored, or his sight wasn't going to be restored until Ananias came to him, until he followed Jesus' instructions. But what motivated Ananias to go do this? The words from Jesus says this, For he is the chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Paul, again, this time Saul, Paul had a task before him that was great. I don't know if you know this or not, but you and I as Gentiles, we still are learning from Paul's writings. We make that comment often whenever we're studying from Paul. We're still learning from that chosen vessel that Christ is talking to Ananias about. He is my chosen vessel. And I'm going to show him how many things he's going to have to suffer in my name. So he goes to him. Ananias goes to Saul, lays his hands on him, and promises him the things in his vision were going to come true. And what happens immediately after that? Saul receives his sight. His encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus was a, a big thing. But in Saul's personal encounter, Paul's 
personal connection to this scenario was a great thing. Saul received his sight. How important is our sight, by the way? How important is being able to see and get around and do those things? It's kind of important. Can you do it without it? You can. There's some blind folks in the world who are who are getting around okay. Your sight's kind of important. Your spiritual sight is essential. Let me get that clear. Your spiritual sight is essential. When you find out what God would have you do and you go do those things, and after Saul received his sight, what did he do in the end of verse 18? Did he just get wet? Don't say that, does it? Did he say it was splashed? He did not. Say it was sprinkled? He did not. What did he do? He was baptized. What purpose was baptism? Acts chapter 2 teaches that for the what? Remission of sins. That's the purpose that Paul was baptized. The very same reason that you and I are baptized. All those sins that Saul had done previous to receiving his sight even after becoming blind and receiving his sight, all those sins that he had done previous to this was washed away. God no longer held him accountable for those horrible things that he was doing to Christians. People like you and I who do Jesus' work, who are calling on his name, being disciples, being of the way. Saul was killing you and I. He was killing you and I. He was sending you and I to prison, binding us to Jerusalem. He was doing that to you and I in the first century. But guess what? That immersion, that faithful act of putting Christ on, those sins was forgiven. Folks, we have a loving God who's ready to forgive us when we put His Son on. Have those sins washed away, putting our best foot forward in the service of God. What do you think Saul did the very next thing? As he received his sight, his eyes were open, and I need to learn what I need to do. Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And in verse 20, immediately, what, when is immediately? Immediately. If I was to, I'm not going to do it, but if I was to drop this book in my hands, would it hang there a few seconds or would it, would it immediately fall to the ground? It would immediately fall to the ground because that's how gravity works. Immediately it seems right now. That's what immediately means. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. What? This same Saul. This same Saul was persecuting folks who was doing the exact same thing he's doing right now. Something's different. Something's off. Or something has changed. But they don't think it is. They don't think so. They, they, don't, they, don't think, they don't recognize it right off the bat, do they? They say it's a trick. They say something is, something is up in verse 21. Then all who heard were amazed and he said, Is this not he who destroyed those who were called on his name in Jerusalem? And he has come here that purpose so they might bring them bound to the chief priest. They think it's a trick. So all those hearing and listening to his teachings, his 
He's going to haul them all off to prison. But Saul increased all, increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Now, that many, now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. The disciples took care of Saul after he became one of them. What were the what were the Jews wanting to do? Don't you think he's lost his mind? What, why would he why would he change? Why would he why would he uh, betray us like this? He wasn't. He was trying to encourage them of the truth. He was trying to teach them the way. Trying to encourage them to come out of your sins and be alive and no longer be dead in your sins. In verses 26 through 30, we see Paul continually to expound the word. And of course, after this, the church expounds by the teachings from Saul. So in the days to come, that, that, that after his conversion, his preachings first, Saul recounts in Acts chapter 22. Keep in mind, we see Ananias rebuking the Lord, rebuking Jesus, and he says, well, I don't know about going to that guy. He, he's got the authority to send me off to, off to prison. He's got the authority to kill me if he need me. But Jesus says to him, he is my chosen vessel. He is the one. He is the one who's going to take it to the Gentiles. The Jew, he's, going to, he's going to take my word. He's my chosen vessel. That throughout the years, many folks are going to be listening to his teaching even in, in 2023. Here we are still learning from Saul. Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22. These are the words from Saul. We're going to read this, and I'm going to have to close. But the point we take so far away from this is we can change. As we have instructions from God through His Word, uh, the things that we used to do were, not, were displeasing in His eyes, we can make a change. Saul made a change, did he not? He made a change from persecuting the disciples, persecuting Jesus Himself by persecuting the disciples, to becoming a disciple Himself and begin His ministry. Resulted in many things to suffer, from that point, many things he was going to suffer. But became a disciple and put his best foot forward in the service of God. All that energy, all that effort he took to becoming a Jew, to becoming a Pharisee, to becoming part of the Sanhedrin court, the youngest member, by the way, that took some effort. All of that energy, all that effort now is focused on Jesus and his teachings. And after he received the gift of the Holy Spirit, he was able to teach it in its entirety. Acts chapter 22. Let me find where my starting point was. 
Verse 6. Verse 6. Now it happened that as I journeyed, came near Damascus about noon, suddenly there great light shone from heaven. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. My mind is working faster than my mouth. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid. They did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. And I, I thought they didn't see the light. They did see the light. They just did, did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you. And since I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said, with, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him, previously blind, and I was able to look at him, and he said, The God of our fathers have chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. Stop there in verse 18. As Paul recounts his conversion on the road to Damascus, that light shone around me, and his baptism in Damascus, becoming a disciple, putting his best foot forward in the service of God. Can we say that about us today? Well, first off, the first question, are you baptized for the remission of sins? Have you put Christ on? Have you become a disciple yourself? Well, the invitation is there. The very same thing that Ananias asked Saul, at that time he was Saul, Paul giving his recount, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized for the remission of sins. Wash those sins away. Become that child of God. And then calling on the name of the Lord. That's not making a phone call on your phone, by the way. That's not saying his name audibly, by the way. You know what calling on the name of the Lord is? Doing his will. Whenever Jesus says in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's calling on the name of the Lord. Are we doing the will of God today? Are we being that Christian that we should be? Well, we see Saul getting that conversion on the road to Damascus, being immersed and starting his ministry, later becoming Paul, and we learn so many wonderful things, so many churches were started, a great many wonderful works come from the acts of Paul. Would God say that about us today? I hope he would. Continue to fulfill your ministry, or if need be, start your ministry by putting Christ on, washing your sins away, and having a hope of salvation applied unto you. So my encouragement is this. We see the account of 
A wonderful example in the Bible. A wonderful teacher in the Bible. That is Paul. He wasn't always so, was he? He was dragging folks who was under the New Testament to prison, killing them. Separating mothers and fathers, children. He was doing that. And as our studies continue to remain, he was, give, he was forgiven by God of those things. He really couldn't forgive himself. That's how bad he felt for what he has done. But God didn't hold him accountable for those things anymore. God will not hold you accountable for the things that you do when you are immersed and become a child of God, repenting of those things, turning away and putting them behind you. Putting your faith, your face, your being toward God and moving forward. So my question is this. Have you been baptized for the remission of sins by wait? Again, what, what tarry? Why tarryest thou? What are you waiting for? Wait no longer. For now is a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful time. If you have done so and taken that short walk with Satan and did, done those things as displeasing in the eyes of God, not putting your best foot forward in the service of God. It's, it's time to repent of that act. To get right in the eyes of God. So as you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Do those things as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.